we turn to Matthew chapter 3 for the last time this morning, we pick up our reading in verse 13. Matthew chapter 3, 13 to 17, this Lord's Day morning. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and thou comest to me. And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now. For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he, John, suffered him, Jesus. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were open unto him. And he saw, that's John, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Father, this morning we are thankful to come to a familiar text. And yet in the midst of that familiarity, such glorious profundity, as we think upon the official initiation of the Lord's work as an adult on earth in real time, as recorded and placed in our hands by thy blessed Holy Spirit. Help us again this morning to attend to these words to the benefit of our soul, to the benefit of our local church, to the benefit of believers living in this day of unique challenge of heart and mind and soul. We will praise you for answers to these prayers concerning the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God today. For we do pray these things in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen. My mother had a teenager friend that lived in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan that's name, her name was Opal. Leora and Opal, those are both rather unusual names in our day, but Leora and Opal met as teenagers, and the two teenage girls made a promise to keep in contact throughout their adult years, and they did. Therefore, I have the, rem I have the memory as a boy of a trip to the UP uh, for my mother to visit her friend Opal and her growing family. Inside that one-room cabin-like home in the woods was a large metal tub. Opal's children told me that the tub would be filled for baths ever so often and that each one of them would get in one after the other from the oldest to the youngest. I don't remember exactly how many kids Opal had. I remember it seemed like a lot to me. But nonetheless, I do remember how uh, yucky 
was my thought concerning that youngest kid who had to get in the bathwater of all those other grubby siblings. Oldest grubby sibling, next grubby sibling, next grubby sibling, next grubby sibling, and then the youngest grubby kid got in the same bathwater. And I am no prude, nor was I grown with a silver spoon in my mouth, but I'm telling you, that struck me as yucky. I mean, I'm no Jerry Shepherd, but I wouldn't get in that water. By the time that little kid got in, that water would be so highly contaminated, so highly polluted, so highly stinky, that I'm not even sure that a bath would do that little bugger any good. Now, you can rightly associate a parallel sense of spiritual yuck with the waters of John's baptism when Jesus got in. Sinner after sinner entered in, confessing their sinfulness. And then at a given point in time, the sinless one came to John to be baptized of him. The testimonial waters declaring the truth of sinful humanity were indeed entered in by the sinless one in order to, quote, fulfill all righteousness. Having no sin of his own to confess, the Lord Jesus was nonetheless baptized of John in Jordan. And it makes the inquiring mind and heart wonder, why? Why would Jesus enter into a baptism in which people were confessing their sins when he had no sins of his own? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all record something of the baptism of Jesus. But only Matthew tells us of John's resistance to do so at that time, verse 14. And yet at the word of Jesus, John proceeded with baptizing the Lord Jesus, and as a result of his obedience, became convinced of God that Jesus was indeed the promised Messiah. You may recall from our previous study in John's Gospel that in a personal revelation from God, John the baptizer was told that upon whom thou see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. On the basis of what John saw that day, upon the baptism of Jesus, he would then declare, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. The thing that Jesus said to John in this moment before his baptism is essential to our understanding the baptism of Jesus at the hands of John. Jesus said to the baptizer, For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Verse 15. 
Now let's give some additional thought to the Lord's words to John on this occasion. Chronologically, it's interesting because uh, the last recorded words in Scripture from the lips of the Lord Jesus before these words to John came when Jesus was 12 years old. On the previous occasion of record of something being said from the lips of the Lord Jesus, the young Christ had said to his mother and his stepdad upon a visit for the holidays in Jerusalem, I must be about my father's business. And now, 20 years after recorded silence from the lips of the Lord Jesus, the Christ breaks the silence and says to John, verse 15, Suffer it to be so now. For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus says in essence, uh, there are things uh, for you, John, to do in the will of God. And there are things for me to do in the will of God. And today, the things that you're supposed to do in the will of God and the things that I'm supposed to do in the will of God are going to intersect. It behooves us to fulfill all righteousness. Now, both Jesus and John knew that the Lord did not fit uh, the stated requirements for John's baptism regarding confession of sin. That's part of the reason why John resisted. Forbade is the Bible word. But Jesus appealed on the basis of uh, proceeding that all righteousness would be fulfilled by pushing our grasp of that little word, all righteousness, uh, we uh, uh, discover, as it were, three unique elements of identification that are essential to the life and the ministry of the Lord Jesus, to be sure, but even John the baptizer. This idea of fulfilling all righteousness directly relates to the ministry of John the baptizer. And likewise, it directly relates to the ministry of the Lord Jesus. The first thing that we can say about this idea of expanding our understanding of fulfilling all righteousness is that John's baptism was about a personal identification concerning the Lord Jesus, personal identification with the earthly kingdom of God as was promised Israel. The first way in which we have to consider this idea of uh, John and Jesus fulfilling, as it were, together, note the word us, all righteousness has to do with the Lord's unique identification with the earthly kingdom of God as promised Israel. By the Lord's baptism, he clearly identified himself with the heavenly kingdom program. The first thing we can say about the question, why was Jesus baptized when he had no sins of his own, has to do with the kingdom program. Has to do with the program that God had established for the nation of Israel concerning the kingdom of God. 
that baptism identified publicly a people that were ready to receive God's promised intervention. As a Jewish man, the Lord Jesus perfectly kept the whole law of God. The words, all righteousness, implies that the Lord's baptism was a further act of obedience to God's command through God's man, John, to the Jewish nation. R.C. Sproul said, By submitting to John's baptism, Jesus kept the additional command given to the Jews and thus could stand before men and God, having done all that was commanded God's people to do. John perceptively said that Jesus had no inherent need to enter into those waters of testimony, as did sinners. And Jesus did not correct John, saying, oh yes, I need to too. Jesus had no need to repent of sin. As we've previously characterized that baptism, it was a baptism of unholiness. It was people declaring publicly that they were unholy and unfit for the kingdom of God. And looking to God according to his promise for a new heart and a new mind in order that they would be able to enter in to the kingdom of God as promised. Old Testament prophecies forecast the Messiah would be righteous as a man himself. But the Old Testament prophecies also forecast the Messiah would bring righteousness to the Jewish people. In order for Messiah to bring righteousness to the Jewish people, Messiah must be identified with the people in their sins. The Lord Jesus gladly went into the waters, the dirty waters of sins confessed. And that act as Matthew presents it in chapter 3, looks back in Matthew's account to God's promised intervention at the point of incarnation. And the Lord's baptism, as Matthew places it in chapter 3, looks forward to the work of the cross in bearing sins not his own. Back in chapter 1, verse 21, as we recently studied, the angel from heaven told Joseph to name the child Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Messiah is not only righteous, but Messiah's particular task in coming to the nation of Israel was to bring righteousness. Bring it! That is the task of Messiah. Jesus deliberately entered the testimonial waters dirtied by the sins confessed in order to initiate his public ministry under kingdom promise. Now you and I know that that would include in the will of God crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension. And yet the reality is, in that particular moment of time, I don't think that those things were specifically foreseen in any way by John or any of the other people that were entering into his baptism. Nonetheless, by the Lord Jesus entering into the dirty waters of sin confessed, 
the Lord, in essence, uh, ritualized that which was his task and saving ministry in the first advent. So the first thing that we have to say about this idea of Jesus proceeding to be baptized in a very unique way, and contrary to the, the general means in which that baptism characterized of that day, the first thing we can say is that Jesus did that because, here's one reason why, because he wanted to identify himself with the kingdom program of God according to prophecy and promise. Secondly, John's baptism of Jesus exposed the unique relationship of the Lord Jesus to the Holy Spirit. The baptism of Jesus exposed the unique relationship of the Lord Jesus to the Holy Spirit. By the baptism of Jesus, there was an official identification, as was forecast by God the Father, concerning the Spirit of God, officially identifying Messiah by the Holy Spirit, exactly as Messianic prophecy had forecasted it, and if you want the reference, Isaiah 42.1. This is the one of promise and prophecy that speaks the words of God and possesses the Spirit of God without measure. That is an important connection. So why was Jesus baptized? Why would the sinless Son of God enter into the dirtied waters of Jordan which are quite dirty by themselves, by the way, apart from the aspect of uh, the, the symbolic representation of sins confessed. But nonetheless, uh, enter into the dirty waters of Jordan uh, and confessing, as it were, as people were confessing their sins. Why would he do that? Well, first of all, then he might identify himself with the kingdom promises and prophecies of the Old Testament. But then secondly, because in that act of the Lord's baptism, there was the unique heavenly confirmation of a very distinct and unique relationship between Messiah and the Holy Spirit. Back in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18, uh, uh, the good gospel writer reported that Mary was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And then per further reports that the angel said to a very apprehensive Joseph, that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. That would be chapter 1, verse 20. And now, Matthew in chapter 3 tells us of the heavens opening and the Spirit descending and lighting upon the Lord Jesus like a dove when baptized of John, verse 16. We've printed in your bulletin outline the two verses from John's Gospel account in which, by revelation, John the baptizer received word that the one in whom he saw the Spirit of God descending and abiding, that John would know for sure that that one was indeed the Messiah. And indeed, verse 16 says, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and, lo, the heavens were open unto him, and he... A reference back to John the baptizer. It goes back to the hymn of verse 15 at the end. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon Jesus. 
When John saw that, he knew of that unique sense of identification uh, with God the Father as promised concerning God the Spirit as indicated in the Old Testament prophetic, prophetic line. And so this idea of why, why, tell me, why would the Messiah be baptized in the dirty waters of sin confessed? Well, first, because of the kingdom program, the saving program of God's kingdom come. And then secondly, because of the unique connectedness between uh, Messiah and the Spirit's power. So, why has to do with kingdom program. Why has to do with spirit power. And we move rather rapidly to the third thing this morning, which is the fact that John's baptism of Jesus invoked the certifying voice of God the Father concerning his beloved Son. Verse 17, And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. It should be obvious to you at this point that you have, in the record of the scriptures before us, a very important Trinitarian passage of scripture with clear references to the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. In this particular case, you have this declaration out of heaven concerning the uniqueness of the beloved Son in relationship to the Father's pleasure. His baptism at the hands of John led to the glorious confirmation of that identification. Jesus is the unique object of the Father's love. He is the unique object of the Father's approval. He is the unique object of the Father's acceptance. By getting in the bath of other people's dirty water, God the Son demonstrated his willingness and commitment to endure the cross, to despise the shame, until seated at the right hand of the throne of God. His baptism is an act of identification and obedience to the saving purpose of God, Father, Son, and Spirit. In one sense of view, we can say that the certifying voice of God the Father came when Jesus had not yet preached one message taught one time in the synagogue, or performed one miracle. We can also say that there is something to be said based upon the unique enablement of Messiah by the Holy Spirit as forecast in the Old Testament prophecies that the blessedness of Christ's facilitation of those great preaching, teaching, miraculous events to come immediately hereafter would be facilitated by the Holy Spirit of God. But as we've often noted concerning the aspect of this unique moment, uh, God the Father said that he was pleased with God the Son 
at a time when I or you might uh, observe that Jesus really hadn't done anything yet. And certainly, uh, we can say that the Father was pleased with who Jesus was in that moment of time. But without doubt, the baptism flags more than just the Father's pleasure in the person of God the Son, but the baptism flags the Lord's intention to follow through with the saving mission right out of heaven, and therefore demonstrates his commitment to fulfill all righteousness. In the grand divine plan of redemption, he who is righteous came to make a way of righteousness, for unrighteousness has dominated and ruled over mankind since the fall of Adam. Christ came to make the way of righteousness. Now, I've quickly moved through those three reasons why this morning so that we can camp our souls for a few moments on an additional thought. But let's just put the thing into perspective now. The question is, why? Why would Jesus, the sinless, spotless, blameless Son of God, enter in to the dirty testimonial waters of sinfulness? Why? And the answers are, one, kingdom program. Two, identification with the Spirit's power. And three, the unique expression of the Father's pleasure. So for program, power, and pleasure, there you have it. That's the sermon. If you're done, I'm not. Uh, the reality is there's more to this thing. And uh, the more begins to be a little more uh, 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 straight uh, uh, forward and pressed upon us when we look at the unique expressions that are used in the Scripture to bring to us this moment in the Lord's life. We've already talked about the fact that it is a significant moment because of the breaking of silence. Verse 15, Jesus had previously said 20 years before, as recorded, I must be about my father's business. And now Jesus says to John, suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. So we've already stressed the fact that this is a unique moment in time by nature of the breaking of silence in the record of the Lord's words while on earth. But there's something up else here, and it's found in verse 16. There's something else here uh, that strikes me as a, 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 as a readover. Or uh, one of those phrases that you can just go, blah, blah, blah. just get over it quick, and your mind tells you, oh, you know what that means. You know exactly what that means. You know exactly what that means. There's no reason to spend any extra time on that. You know exactly what it means already. It's just a simple little uh, a grammatical way of getting you from point A to point B. And just get going. Just get going. That's not the important thing. It's not the important thing. And I'm going to say to you, I think it really is kind of an important thing. You ready? Verse 16. And Jesus, when he was baptized, here's the phrase, went up straightway out of the water. Now, that's an easy phrase to just read over and say, okay, uh, John put him down. He came up. That's the way baptism works. Down and up. Not terribly complicated. 
If you do put them down, you want to make sure you bring them up. We can say, praise the Lord, he came up. When somebody is having their, their child baptized, uh, when they have given good testimony of faith in Christ, and we put them down, the parent prays, bring them up. You know, up is good. We don't want to be negative about the up. But why in the world would the Spirit of God make such a big deal about up? He went up straightway out of the water. I want to say, duh. <laughs> you know, and that like what happens in baptism? Like, what is the big deal about that? What is the big deal about that? Well, we, we gain a little bit of additional insight when we chase uh, the biblical word uh, straight way. He went up straight way out of the water. Now, it's not hard, especially for Baptists, because after all, we love and appreciate the Bible depiction of immersion as being the mode of believer's baptism. Uh, you will see this phrase in my notes uh, for baptismal con uh, candidates. You will find this phrase uh, referenced as it relates to the idea that if you're going to come up out of the water, that you must have, before that, gone into the water. And that uh, the phrase, indeed, commends uh, the mode of baptism that we call immersion, in which you submerge a person in the water and then bring them out of the water. Uh, that's the way that the Lord Jesus was baptized. That's the way that all uh, John's uh, uh, followers were baptized. And uh, we would say, as Baptists, uh, that uh, that's the way you do it. And uh, that's not wrong. That would be right. But I'd, I'd, I'd just like to say that that phrase is far more significant to me and to you than the than the fact that uh, it, it, it confirms the mode of baptism uh, that we are committed to in practice around here and that uh, we would argue all believers ought to practice, namely a baptism by immersion. Uh, the word straightway speaks of the initiation of an action, the beginning of something new, and in this case, it is the phrase that indicates the official launch of messianic ministry. And it also speaks of the launch of messianic ministry in the way, in the exact way we might suspect, which is making straight. Now, this congregation is blessedly uh, advantaged because it was just last week in the second hour on Sunday morning that we addressed for the first time the only biblical reference to Reformation in Hebrews chapter 9. And we told you that the word Reformation, as translated from the Greek, means making straight the whole ministry of Jesus Christ first advent is making straight is making right is reconciling the world to God 
by his death at the cross. And this phrase went up straightway out of the water not only indicates the official initiation of the Lord's messianic ministry, but it really, as a phrase, depicts the primary work of Messiah's ministry, First Advent, namely, making straight or providing the, the reality of the straight way. The way of straight. Now that causes me to think just a little bit more about the interaction in 16 and 17 between the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And so then you get thinking about the fact of, starting with God the Son, that this is the initiation of his saving mission. Uh, This is the initiation of messianic ministry as promised in the Old Testament scriptures. Uh, As he comes up out of the water, this is the initiation of his ministry. And it, to some degree, depicts or characterizes what that ministry is in regards or in the terms of making straight. And then, uh, upon God the Son, comes God the Spirit as a lion. No. As a tiger. As a bull elk. No. As a dove. Why a dove? Well, most Christians think the idea that doves are like peaceful. You know, pigeons in the park. And so most people have this idea that all that, that, Pretty little white dove. Comes down upon the Lord Jesus and abides in him. Uh, That's not it. Why is the Spirit of God depicted as a dove? Why is the Holy Spirit seen as a dove? Well, because for an earthly poor man, the dove was the animal of sacrifice. And so the Spirit of God comes upon Messiah, certainly in a powerful, dynamic way, and without measure. But the purpose of the Spirit on the Son in the first advent has to do with his sacrifice. And in fact, we read of Luke, when Mary and Joseph first went to the temple complex with baby Jesus, that they offered, as it were, the required sacrifices, but had not the wherewithal to bring a lamb, although they brought a lamb, their lamb, God's lamb, but they sacrificed doves, the poor man's sacrifice. So here is he who is made poor that you and I might be rich as God counts riches. And the Spirit of God comes upon the Son of God 
because this is the moment in which the whole of the Lord's earthly life becomes narrowed as to its focus relative to holy sacrifice. And then when we study Hebrews, we find out once for all sacrifice by his precious blood. We're not done yet. So the Spirit of God comes upon the Son of God in the form of a dove, and then the voice from heaven. When the sacrifice was placed upon the altar under the law, then God responded to the blood of sacrifice with a symbol of his pleasure and glory. And here you have that a voice from heaven is heard that says, This is my beloved Son. This is the sacrifice I crave. And in him I am well pleased. I am propitiated. I am satisfied in the death of my Son. Oh, how wonderful you and I can rejoice in the fact that the Father is accepting and takes pleasure in the single sacrifice of his only begotten Son. And so while I have said in preaching this text in a different context, oh, the Lord God out of heaven spoke and brought a sense of approval and favor to his son before that son had ever done an earthly work or earthly thing of record. Certainly in this particular moment, it is absolutely clear that the baptism of the Lord Jesus identified the Lord Jesus with the sins of the people, that it confirmed the connection of the Lord Jesus to the Holy Spirit under the topic of sacrifice, and that that sacrifice at the very beginning was declared by God the Father to be pleasing. Pleasing. Acceptable to God. What a phenomenal foreshadowing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, Father, help us this morning to be a loving and responsive people to thy Son, our Savior. What great things have been done for us by him as planned by you, as facilitated by thy Holy Spirit Oh, Lord, we are the beneficiaries of the blessed work of thy Son. And therefore, we not only know, but we sing and we pray, realizing that there is no name that is given among men, whereby salvation can be real, except in the blessed name of the Lord Jesus. But the Lord Jesus is truly the name above all names our Savior, our glorious Lord, God with us, Redeemer, Living Word. 
Oh, Father, how we praise you, how we thank you, how we adore you for what you have given to us in Jesus Christ our Lord. Help us then as we respond to the Son, the gift of God, which is eternal life, an unspeakable gift received by faith. May we be a responsive and heartfelt people towards thee this day. We pray in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen.